Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. The inflation rate lowered again this month, and we are now sub 3%. But will we see a repeat of what we saw last time where that inflation rate spiked up again? Or have high interest rates finally done their job and we can expect inflation and interest rates to start coming down in the coming months? We discuss all that in detail on today's episode, as well as a look into the rental market, consumer sentiment, mortgages, and an early look into the February sales data. Now, this is an incredibly insightful episode that we're really excited to share with you. And just before we get into it all, well, if you are considering selling a home or an investment property, well, we have created an incredibly in-depth guide on how to prepare your home so that you can sell it for the highest price possible. That's right. You get one chance to sell your home. And by doing a few fundamental improvements to your property, you can sell it for top dollar providing you with the most amount of money for your next home or even better, a new home and some money on the side to enjoy a few of life's simple pleasures. This guide is absolutely free. To get your copy, just visit our website. Go to thevancouverlife.com forward slash top dollar and learn how we help people maximize the sale of their home price. Now, Let's get into today's episode. So this week, we saw a better than expected inflation print. And Ryan here is going to get into all those details. But I want to frame up how much one data point can change the expectations of interest rate cuts. More people than ever, I'd say, are paying attention to what's going on at the Bank of Canada and their interest rate calls. And understandably so, right? We have all sorts of people with high rate variable mortgages or those looking to enter or exit the housing market. And rates are basically driving their decisions to do so or not. When we look back to December, we saw that back then the economists and the markets were pricing in the first rate cut to happen in March. And then we were going to see five cuts throughout the year for a total of one and a quarter basis point drop. Then all of a sudden we move forward to January. And all of a sudden that first rate cut expectation moved all the way to April. And then earlier this month, well, guess what? That first rate cut got pushed out until June with a total of only three cuts or 75 basis points total by year's end. So did the inflation print that just came in lower than expected change the interest rate expectations? Well, you bet, of course it did. So we're gonna share all this information with you in a minute. But first, let's also refer to the ever important five-year Canadian bond. After it lowered to about the 3.1s earlier in January, it then jumped up and spiked to 3.8s. And that put all these sort of uh, fixed rate cuts on uh, on hold for a while and thought that, hey, we may even see mortgage rates increase. But then again, here we go. In just the last week alone, it's dropped 25 basis points. These swings are becoming really dramatic. And, and I will just say as a caveat here, we are recording this on Tuesday, February the 20th. So obviously the number that I just quoted is going to be different by the time you hear this, but you get what I'm talking about here, right? The point is, is that the data is moving faster than ever with the swings being much larger than the historical norms, which makes things like rate decisions an even more challenging process for the Bank of Canada. 
So while a 2.9% inflation rate is a dramatic improvement from where we've been over the last year and a half, keep in mind that we haven't seen a print below 2.8 in three years. And the last time we saw that uh, sub 3% print, it bounced up again over 3% for a total of seven months. So still lots of work for these rates to do to get closer to that ideal 2% range that they keep referencing. Now, let's get into the weeds of the CPI, which may just give us a glimpse on whether we can stay below 3% looking forward. Yeah, let's, let's do that. So looking at Canada's annual inflation rate, it slowed significantly more than expected. I think a lot of uh, expectations were looking to go from 3.4 to 3.3, but we dramatically dropped to 2.9% in January, and core price measures also eased. So the data showed on Tuesday, bringing forward bets for an early interest rate cut. It's so funny, Dan. It really just depends on what week we decide to report on this. Uh, but the first time in seven months, this is a, a bit of a caveat, that the headline inflation has actually dipped below 3%. This prompted money markets to hike uh, bets for rate cuts in April to as much as 58%. That's much higher than the 33% uh, before these figures were published. Two of the Bank of Canada's three core measures of underlying inflation also edged down. CPI median slowed to 3.3%, the lowest since November of 2021. And while the CPI trim decreased to 3.4%, this is also the lowest since August of 2021. And with inflation easing, while the key overnight remains at 22-year highs of 5%, the BOC last month said its thinking uh, has shifted to how long interest, rate, interest rates must stay the current level, as opposed to maybe raising them. At the same time, they did not completely rule out another rate hike, though I feel like as we continue to go through this process, it's more turbulence that we're experiencing on a downward trajectory. The key takeaway here, and this is according to Doug Porter, is that the Bank of Canada can seriously consider cutting rates. And the BOC has projected headline inflation to remain around 3% for the first half of 2024, dropping to 2.5% for the latter half of the year. Excluding shelter, inflation is running at 1.5% annually. And if this trend continues, the central bank might start cutting rates in April, though most major banks are targeting June. In fact, going back to Doug Porter again, the Bank of Canada will likely remain cautious in the face of still strong, strong wage gains from service prices and the reality that core inflation is still holding above that 3% level. Economists from RBC as well said the BOC would likely wait for firmer signals uh, of easing inflation, and they expect the first rate cuts to be in the middle of the year as well. Bond yields dropped for the uh, dropped on the news um, from three point six seven percent this morning down to three point five five percent, and are continuing to trend downward towards February's low of 3.35%. Now, this likely won't impact five-year fixed mortgage rates right off the bat, but if we continue down this path, uh, you could expect to see some softening in those five-year rates as we get later into the year. The BOC has said it doesn't consider housing in its <laughs> rate policy decisions, though I doubt that very much, um, and should focus 
more broadly on the economy at large. I believe housing prices will continue to rise in the near term, and if rates stay at restrictive levels, this would adversely affect the economy as a whole and not just the housing sector. So how long can we continue to keep at 5% before we actually formally enter a recession? Though we can't say the same about rent prices, as they have continued to move up steadily, as Dan mentioned in the previous segment. So it brings to mind a couple interesting things. I think Sean Fraser, the housing minister, recently said that he was hoping or kind of, you know, pushing the BOC to push down rates so that developers can get off the sidelines and start building again. And of course, what happens in lockstep with rates coming down and developers having access to cheaper capital to build more homes? Well, the average consumer has cheaper capital to consume more homes. So they do. And of course, you drop rates uh, 100 basis points, it sends a flurry of people into the marketplace to buy up homes. And you can buy a home in a month, but you certainly can't build a home in a month. And, and that's kind of the interesting problem that I'm seeing the BOC almost painting themselves into a corner with because they would need ultimately uh, cheaper access to credit for developers for years for them to be able to bring product to market at the rate that the country currently needs it. But again, they both are operating off the same gas pedal. So if you've got consumers able to act in a month compared to builders who take three, four, five, six years to get that same house to market, well, you can see the problem, right? Because as soon as it gets hot on the consumer side, well, they got to pull back and then the developers are stuck holding the bag once again. So again, is there a solution there? Well, to me, you incentivize developers. So you give developers cheaper credit uh, that the home buyers don't have access to is, is an idea here. I believe Trudeau's in, in town today too. I think they just announced $2 billion for 115 homes for co-ops or something like that. I, I just saw the headline, so apologize. I haven't read into it yet, but there's a lot of policies coming through and a lot of money being spent on trying to get new houses in Canada. And while we appreciate them, again, uh, I think it's as simple kind of as incentivizing developers with cheaper credit to be able to help build and solve some of this problem. Let's move on, though. I want to touch on corporate bankruptcies, because while we're seeing the inflation rate come down and we're seeing consumer sentiment stay high, behind the scenes here, there are a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of trouble within the corporate world. And the corporate world, understandably, would love to see rates come down, interest rates, that is, because, of course, right now, they we're at a 35-year high in corporate bankruptcy rate to the tune of 400 per month. The rate of these bankruptcies has absolutely skyrocketed since the recent cycle bottom, which we saw back in 2021 at about 150 per month. So this has jumped in three years by 266%. It's almost a straight up line. And for those on YouTube, I'll share the graph, but you get the idea here. It's a serious problem. And while employment is currently quite high and remaining uh, almost at all-time highs, it will be just a matter of time before all these bankruptcies roll through and the jobless joblessness claims start increasing. Uh, this is already obviously starting to be seen in some places like Bell Canada, for example, who just cut 9% of its workforce just earlier this month. Apparently, that's the largest restructuring quote unquote, that they've seen in 30 years. So we may need to see unemployment numbers spike further before we can really expect the BOC to lower rates to a dramatic degree. But just know that uh, that's essentially in the works behind the scenes here. It's just that data does lag and uh, it will have to come to the forefront and become louder than housing uh, for BOC to also be further incentivized to lower its overnight rate. 
Yeah, you know, you, you bring up a really good point at the start of your segment there where, you know, you talked about builders either needing to be incentivized or have an exemption from, you know, current market rates so that they can carry on fueling the supply that's so so needed in our marketplace because it's this cat and mouse game if we're all affected by the same restrictive uh, rates buyers aren't buying and builders aren't building then in a recession or or in a time where rates are high so that we can bring supply back to the marketplace to cool prices off um you know that won't happen without the return of supply so you know it's almost like you need a cmhc style mortgage for a lot of investor or or builders who can access rates at, at far below um industry norms uh, so long as maybe their buildings actually tick the boxes that require cmhc financing or something to that degree there are ways around this but they haven't really been creatively explored and i think that that could be a solution uh, but again a little bit outside of our wheelhouse if we're going to go touch on market rates as well the rental market may look to cool a little bit later this year as well the cpi rented accommodations index is currently running at the highest level in 40 years adding 0.6% to inflation alone. CMHC data has also showed a record low in apartment vacancy rates nationally. This is the lowest in at least 35 years. The annual change in average rent is up over 8% year over year. And not really coming as a surprise with over 800,000 temporary residents in the country this last year, and the vast majority of which are renters. Why will rents normalize? Well, there's 200,000 rental units under construction at the moment. The immigration minister is also going to rein in the number of temporary workers coming to Canada this year. Plus, there's a two-year cap on international student visas as well. So we may not see a dramatic drop in rental rates right away, but they shouldn't continue to grow at 8% going forward. That seems to be too extreme. So the print that just came in this week as well with the lower inflation rate will feed into further positive sentiment in the marketplace because we've seen housing sentiment rising and it's been rising since about November of last year and is currently sitting at the highest it's been since August of 2023. And this is demonstrated further in the sales activity that we're seeing in the two largest cities here in Vancouver, of course, and then also in Toronto, right? If you remember last January, we saw home sales spike year over year by 39% in Vancouver, and it was 36% in Toronto. People buy when they feel good and feel positive about the future. On top of this, the monthly payment on a typical mortgage for a typical property in Canada has also now peaked and is on its way down, at least for the time being. And as this lowers further, expect sentiment to rise further. Yes, while it's improving, let's also get some reference here. Keep in mind that, yes, those monthly average payments are still double what they were back in 2021. Either way, people who are buying are essentially the 1% of the people who can afford it. Right. Because I, I harp on this a lot, but I still think it's important to kind of recognize because I get asked all the time, who is buying? How can people afford to buy? And the people who are asking me that are the ones who are kind of more focused on real estate and interest rates when it was a quarter point overnight, when money was basically free. Okay. So there's 2.6, 2.7 million people in GVRD right now. And every year, Vancouver, we see about 30,000 properties sell. So that's about one, 1.1% of all the people in the, in the uh, lower mainland 
buy a property, right? And keep in mind, the vast majority of those are selling one and buying one. So it's not like they're just coming out of, you know, the woodwork and buying a $2 million home. They're, they're selling at one four and they're buying at 2.1 or whatever the case may be. So can 1% of the population afford to buy a home at 5% or 6% mortgage rates? Of course they can. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be that. Rates could be at 10% and there would still be 1% of the population that would buy. Yes, sales volumes would go lower, but you get the the point here that I'm trying to make. The I guess this is even further demonstrated in the housing affordable affordability index, which peaked at the all-time worst it's ever been at 55% just last year and is currently trending downwards now at about 49%. So the people who are considering buying a home are basically looking for the self-fulfilling prophecies here and they're looking for the positive news and there is positive news out there. And so as sentiment rises, expect to continue to see sales volumes rise as well, which has sort of just started and we're starting to see that trend as we go into what looks to be a fairly active spring market. And it's not just around sales volumes, it's also around mortgages too. There's a positive sentiment is almost is also noted in new mortgage originations. People choosing to go variable are on the rise and they are dead even with those who are choosing to go with five-year fixed rates. Three or four fixed year is still the favorite, but on a steep decline with less than three years, the second favorite is also, sorry, within less than three years, the second favorite is also declining. Total mortgage originations are up as well, trending right around the 10-year average. So if you remove the insanity of 2020 to 2022, we're back to where we would normally would be this time of uh, this this sort of run-up to the spring market. Yeah, that's a huge indicator for sure. Of course, that so if we are back to sort of quote-unquote norms within mortgages, we're going to be back to the norms, obviously, in sales. And uh, we like to give a, a bit of a quick micro-market update here for what's happened so far in February. Again, we're recording this on the 20th, so I've got about 19 and a half days worth of data to share with you. And uh, again, we saw a 40% spike, 39% spike in sales volumes year over year in January. Well, how is that translating for this month? Well, we're currently on trend to be about 10% higher year over year. So not as dramatic, but still up. Uh, prices almost verbatim what they were last year. They're actually up a little bit when we look at medium and an average, but like 5, 10K. But inventory, again, we are still sub 10,000. And that's before all the homes that are delisted at the end of the month. So we are unquestionably going to be sub 10,000 yet again. Uh, once the February numbers wash out. And so far, like, yeah, there's a, that jump in, in sales uh, out of the gate there, but like by 400 units. Right now, it feels very similar to 2023 still. Ryan, I think you'd probably agree. It's it's a bit of a standoff still, right? People aren't mm-hmm. listing, so people aren't buying. The good ones are moving super quick and buyers and sellers are both kind of frustrated looking at each other going, you know, who's going to make the first move here? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I'm out almost every day right now with buyers. Um, got a number of listings coming to the market too. Currently a number of listings marketed and, you know, we're busy at every single one of them. Uh, you know, and, and buyers right now, I think they're, they're still in in this sort of mindset that they can and they can negotiate a deal and in some instances you can but i would also venture to say that those days appear to be coming less and less as sellers are shoring up and willing to wait for a better offer as the market continues to improve especially as we enter into march april and may i suspect you know 
if there is momentum moving towards an interest rate cut and we continue with low levels of inflation uh, or lowering levels of inflation, uh, you know, we've, we've been here before and, and when you compound it with the am amount of people that have moved here in the last couple of years, I suspect it could be even worse if we don't get more supply. The supply is, is we've said inventory is a story for like the last three years. And I don't think that that's changed at all because during the time where rates accelerated to all time highs, developers just backed off of projects, didn't bring any more supply, but we doubled down on demand. It's not a complicated equation to figure out maybe how this is going to go. Yep, I, I'll agree with you there too. And I think, could you imagine what even one rate cut in the spring market or on top of a busy spring market would do? It would, it would really throw obviously fuel on the fire there. And then that data would change. And then maybe that one cut would be it for the year because of course, mm -hmm. uh, things might get uh, too over exuberant as they like to say during COVID there. But uh, as always, we will stay on top of this. We'll let you know what's happening here first. And uh, thanks as always for tuning in and watching. We'll see you here next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.